Hello and thank you for tuning in once again to the Reptile Living Room. As always, I'm your host, John F. Taylor of the Reptile Living Room. And it, <clears throat> as always, we are brought to you today by Marsh McGinnis of Golden Gate Geckos for all of your captive care needs or captive care geckos that you can want, such as the Nefurus African Fat Tail, Leopard Gecko, and even the Colionic species. You can always find Marsha over at GoldenGateGeckos.com. Once again, check her out, Marsha McGinnis, GoldenGateGeckos.com. She's a great lady, has some great geckos, and loves to help people out. So check her out, GoldenGateGeckos.com. And once again, uh, in tonight's uh, episode, we are talking in our uh, interview with an expert series to Heather Wong of Heather's Herps. I personally heard about her a lot in the uh, ball python circles and never actually had the opportunity to meet with her until uh, recently at a show. And, of course, the show we spoke and got to see her, and it's still today my favorite, her silver bullet ball python. It's a freaking awesome-looking snake. Anyway, she does a lot of work with the ball pythons. She's a great lady. Um, so check her out at heathersherps.com. Uh, she does have her own blog that she runs. It's a very informative blog, if I may say so. And uh, without further ado, here's Heather talking about ball pythons. So we're on the line tonight with Heather Wong from Heather's Herps. Most people know her for her ball pythons. Um, I don't. Uh, are you breeding anything else right now, Heather, as far as uh, reptile species? Breeding, no. We oh, okay. actually do have a couple of crested geckos and a black king, but other than that, no. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah, and I must say that uh, silver bullet that you had at the last show was just phenomenal. I will never forget oh, that thank you. as long as I live. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that was one of them. Yeah, I actually have two hanging out over here. I was pretty pleased with them. So Yeah, I was too. Trust me. <laughs> I wanted to take it home. My wife would kill me. <laughs> so, so how did you originally get into reptiles? Um, basically, I kind of fell into it with rescue. Um, while I was in college, there were a lot of people that I knew that got a little bit too overwhelmed with school and animals, you know, little pets that they found. Mm -hmm. um, down in L.A., there's something called the Fashion District, and people thought it was, you know, cute and clever to buy the little red-eared sliders and the tiny mm -hmm. little cages and stuff like that. So once everybody decided they want to get rid of them, I started rescuing them, so to speak. Okay. I ended up with seven. Wow. And at that point, I was like, all right, well, let's see what else is out there. I actually rehomed them in a local pond. But after that, you know, I started getting in mice and hamsters and guppies at one point and betas. And then I ended up with a ball python. Okay. So basically, while the rescue stuff, you know, quote unquote rescue, just from people who didn't want them anymore, right. that's kind of how I fell into it. Okay. Um, I found the ball python, thought it was awesome, because after dealing with a lot of, you know, reptiles that need feeding twice a day, once every five days was just awesome. Yeah, very <laughs> definitely. So, I kind of, you know, started, you know, kind of leaning towards less feeding, mm -hmm. and ended up with my first ball python, and then first turned into 10, and 10 has turned into almost 250. So, oh. yeah, oh it's God. been a while, you know, but that's kind of how it started. That is awesome. <laughs> now, <clears throat> how did you first decide that you were going to breed the ball pythons? What was it about them that attracted you 
to that specific species versus, you know, jungle carpet pythons or something of that nature? Well, as, as I said before, the ease of the species definitely took over for me. You know, okay. like I said, I at one point also had like 12 bearded dragons, and that was insanity. Um, so after that, I, you know, ball pythons were just easier. They were gorgeous. They were so much fun, so much calmer. Right. And granted, right. you know, personality, they don't wave at you or, you know, turn black, but right. they were great. So right. after I got my first one, I actually took it into a pet store to get it sexed because at that point I hadn't had any familiarity with it. Oh, okay. And it turned out it was a female. And it was full grown. So my pet store friend had told me, you know, hey, you know, there are different colors of these animals. You should look into different morphs that are available. And we're talking, this was six or seven years ago. So I had found out about pastels, which at that time were at least two to three grand. Right, right. And I decided, you know what? Sure, why not? So I took the plunge, and I bought one, and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> Man, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And so do you remember when you... you first had your uh, first clutch, what was that like for you? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, that's actually a difficult story to share because uh -oh. I <laughs> I invested in the pastels, so, you know, everybody at the time was like, breed, 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 you know, this is right. the greatest thing ever, you're going to be able to make a lot of money, and that was a big selling point. Mm -hmm. So I attempted, and I bought an incubator at the time, that was, it was functional, it was fully professional and everything, but okay. unfortunately that was also the year of the humongous heat wave that came through Southern California, oh. so my incubator overheated and I lost everything. Oh, no. So we're talking two clutches of pastels back in 2005 or six, right. which it, it was devastating. So my first season actually didn't end up very well, if you can wow. tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a fully formed pastel male that pipped out and then died subsequently in the heat of the incubator. Oh, no. So that was my first season. Wow. <laughs> I can say that I did do it all right, but I can't say that I have any viable babies from it, unfortunately. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> And you still I no longer have it. that incubator. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I stole <Yeah>. that one. <laughs> Here, you can have this. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And, and you stayed with it. That's what's awesome. You didn't give up. Oh, no. You know, after knowing that I could do it, you know, it actually put even more of a fire in my heart to want to continue. Right. Because, you know, the failure, yeah, it was a huge failure. Well, you know huge in the fact that there were animals that could have lived that didn't right. but you know I I saw babies the babies were there it was just worth it to try again right. so I did right. very cool now yeah. how do you decide um, when it comes to morphs how do you decide what morph you want to create is it just kind of a spur of the moment thing or do you actually sit down and plan out you know okay we're going to put this with this and you know hopefully produce this or I actually do both 
Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> That's cool. I do a, a blog, and I actually have, have talked about this. I go over what I know will breed of the season, and I actually do a spreadsheet. The oh, females okay. on one side and the males on another. And then I just basically, you know, write down what the possibilities could be. Okay. Maybe I should do this and this. Granted, it doesn't actually work out that way. For sure. You know, because by the time we get there, there's a male that I like better, or he's free, and then he's, you know, the original male that I wanted to breed is actually breeding another female. Right. So the plans change. But I do try to, you know, do it the way I initially planned. But from the beginning, it's just what I think would be the coolest morph combos at the time. You know, okay. some things I would want to do or I would want to see hatch out of the egg. So. Sure. Okay. Now, uh, as far as pricing goes, and I don't expect you to, you know, um, give away trade secrets or anything like that, just in general, <laughs> you know, what what kind of factors go into pricing of the ball pythons that you sell? Um, well, most of it is, you know, the rarity and the okay. availability of the animals. But I also like to think that, what I do produce is worth, a, you know, a reasonable amount of money. I don't right. like selling my animals for $5 because I don't want them to seem like they're undervalued and that they're not, you know, animals. Right. They're not living beings. Right. So, you know, I, I've tried to toe the line between reasonable pricing but not ridiculously lowballing. Okay. So, you know... And especially when it comes to the animals that are much more difficult to find, right. that's when it gets even more gray. Mm -hmm. You know, if the rarity is there, who else is there to decide the price but me right. and whoever else is in the project. So right. I like to keep my eyes open to the market, okay. and I like to think that I try to be reasonable. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's so many people that are just either way too high or way too low, or right. just people that have no idea. Very so. <laughs> yeah, because I've been to some of the shows, and I'm sure you've seen it too, where you walk by, you know, um, a ball python that's hit for, you know, you name it, and they got a price mm -hmm. tag on it that's just, I mean, like, really? Are you serious? Right. <laughs> what were you smoking? There's and even then, you know, if it's especially with heads, you know, you can pay the price that they're asking, but can you trust them that it actually is what it is? Right. That's the other thing. Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. You know, I like to think that with my name and what I've been doing over the years, that people can trust my hats, and that's kind of why I don't like to do <clears throat> bottom-of-the-barrel pricing. Yeah. You know, other than males, which are difficult to sell to begin with. Oh, you know? really? Interesting. Yeah. Hat males are just... Unfortunately, the patience level of people who want to breed ball pythons is just not there oh, most I see. of the time. Okay. So okay. nobody wants a het male, so I usually actually sell them for a little bit more than a normal male price at my shows. Oh, okay. So, All right. There you go. Very <laughs> good. Now, um, as far as fear of reptiles, uh, this is something we try to ask all our guests. Why do you think it is that some people fear reptiles? That's actually a really interesting question because I'm going to share a story. My mother is absolutely yeah. fearful of snakes, and she comes over to my house maybe once every year because she lives up north. Right. And um, she has progressively gotten braver as the years have gone on because I've been doing this for about six to seven years now. Right. 
and every year she actually tries to touch one. And I've asked her before, I've, I've said, you know, what is it that specifically gets you upset or, you know, just makes you so scared? And right. she can't pinpoint it. Um, you know, there's a lot of historical background on, you know, Eve, Adam and Eve and the snake and, you right. know, that kind of stuff. And to be honest, I guess it depends on the person. Okay. But it seems like, especially with snakes, you know, social commentary tends to be snakes are evil. Right. And then you grow up with that, and there you go. You're never going to learn otherwise unless you're exposed to it in the other, you know, educated way. Right. Snakes are just animals. You just got to learn how to deal with them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, back to my mother. She actually held one, I think. It was, she actually was out here last week, and she did touch one. Game for on. the very first time, and I was very <laughs> proud of her, so. <laughs> That's awesome. Way to go, Mom. Touching the I down. know. I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think my mom ever would. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, it really depends, but we've been, you know, baby steps. Yeah, yeah, very Baby definitely. steps always, so. <laughs> so, now, with the ball pythons, um, would you recommend these to someone that would uh, be living in an apartment setting? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, ball pythons don't really require much. Um, you know, for a full-grown adult, I would say maximum 60-gallon long. Okay. Um, just a hide, a water dish, obviously an under-the-tank heater, so, mm -hmm. you know, a heat pad. I don't necessarily suggest a heat lamp because that doesn't really work as well. Um, substrate and food. Okay. I feel, now, am I missing anything? <laughs> now, speaking of substrate, what do you recommend to people who are not necessarily breeding them but keeping them as pets? Because I've heard all kinds of wild stories about, you know, if you use the wood chips, then you're going to get mites, and, you know, the snake's going to eat the wood, and it's like, well, the snake's only going to eat the wood if you feed it in the enclosure, but, you know. Right. <laughs> so, from the expert, what substrate would you recommend if you were to be living in an apartment setting, say, per substrate? I use Sani chips, which are small Aspen chips. They're shaped in squares, very, very flat, very small. Yeah. They are, it is wood, and the snakes, I do feed all of my animals in the enclosure because obviously I don't have time to take 250 yeah, animals out the of the enclosure. Out, you know, that, that's, that's understandable. <laughs> and I have to say, I have never really had that big of a problem with, you know, animals ingesting the material. I've had animals get it in their mouth, but mm -hmm. all you have to do is take a Q-tip and just kind of wipe it off the sides. Okay. Um, what I do not suggest is the reptile carpet that they sell at Petco's and uh, stuff like that. Uh -huh. That stuff is just a breeding ground for bacteria. Yeah, and, you know, if you want belly rot, go ahead and use that. <laughs> wow. Now, that's one I've never heard of before in snakes. I've heard of it in lizards, but mm -hmm. snakes yeah, as well, well again, because of the bacteria. If you clean it, you know, if you actually launder it, it can be fine. But, you know, oh, okay. if you're talking just a carpet of and you never take it out, then yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I get you. And, yeah, so... a lot of people will probably do that just because... Yeah, <laughs> who thinks to take out their snake carpet and <laughs> put it in the laundry, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Wow. Um, other than that, you know, sand is definitely not the best for ball right. pythons. 
Um, I can think of several. Cedar, any wood chips that actually have oils in them that smell. Pine and cedar are definitely no-goes. Okay. But, you know, shredded paper, even just regular paper, as long as you change it often, mm -hmm. all of those are fine. Okay. Now, as far as, um, besides the uh, incubator incident that you had when you first started, what were some mm -hmm. of the other early issues that you ran into as far as breeding? Was there anything that sticks out in your mind that you can remember? Yes. Do not assume that if you buy an animal the first year that the males will breed. Oh. Do not assume that the second year or the third year that the females will breed. These are all generalizations. Oh. You know, you can say and you can try with for a male within a year, but there's no guarantees that it's going to happen because I've had several males that I hope will actually get to size and actually do what they need to do by the first year. And sometimes they're big enough, but they have no clue what they're doing. So either <laughs> have a backup plan or just, you know, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. But also same with females, although, you know, you put in two and a half years, usually that'll give them enough time. But, right. you know. There are no guarantees in breeding. It's the bottom line. <laughs> Very true. And that kind of leads us into our next question. What advice would you give to a new uh, ball python breeder that was just coming into the industry? I would say patience is key. Okay. That is something that I've learned. Unless you have a ridiculous amount of spare money to spend on everything, mm -hmm. um, you know, just patience is key. Remember that this is about the animals. It's not about anybody else. It's not about, you know, the money. It's right. about you creating animals that you enjoy and that you want to see. Everything else is just sidebar. Okay. <clears throat> now, take us through a daily routine at Heather's Herbs because 250 snakes, I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, and I actually do it mostly by myself. I do have several people that come and help me over, you know, the course of a week or so. You know, friends that stop by, I feed them, they help me. Oh, well, hey, there but, you go. <laughs> exactly, dinner. Um, but usually what happens is I'll come home, I will go into the snake room, I'll evaluate, see what's going on, do water, fill up, do, you know, poop scoop. Right. Just basically double check to see that everybody's clean. On a feeding day, that's actually in the snake room. I would be there for a good four hours wow. because I, you know, I have to go get the food, which I do not produce myself. Right. I bring right. it back. I feed for an hour. I move everything. I feed completely live. Oh, I wow. take everything out that isn't all eaten, and then I rotate again to see whether or not there's other animals that will. Oh, okay. Um, so it's actually a good three- to four-hour process. Wow. Interesting. And then, you know, once every two weeks, we'll go through and completely do a, a big clean. That's usually when I have my friends over. <laughs> <laughs> so that takes a good three to four hours as well. Right, so. right. Now, um, <clears throat> we do have a question from a listener um, that I wanted to get into here. Um, it looks like he has a ball python uh, that has some dry spots on the skin that, uh, for whatever reason, won't go away. And mm -hmm. they've said that I've heard it could be nothing major or it could be scale rot. Now, um, when I heard that, I 
immediately asked, okay, what's the temperature on the warm and the cool side? You know, what's the humidity, that kind of stuff. And they're saying the temperature is 85 degrees in the warm spot, 76 in the cool, and then it's at a constant 80% humidity. Okay. Any idea what those dry spots on the skin could be? I actually am familiar with what the listener's probably talking about. It's basically dull patches of skin, sometimes on, mostly, usually on the head, and sometimes on the sides of the body. Oh, okay. Um, basically, it's just dried up scales. Um, there's, it's nothing to be, you know, worried about as long as it's not discolored. Okay. As long as, if it's just matte instead of shiny, mm -hmm. it's just basically like dry skin on us. Oh, it'll okay. shed off, it'll be flying in the next couple of sheds. Now, if we're really concerned about, you know, skin rot in any portion of the body, right. what I would be concerned about would be weeping of the wound, if there is one, uh, discoloration of the scales, especially on the belly, because, you know, we're looking at white scales, if there's any redness, right. any brown spots that weren't there before, and if it smells. Oh, okay. That's usually something to pay attention to. Well, obviously, <laughs> I right, would hope right. by then you would take it to a vet. But, right. you know, granted, if there isn't an opportunity, those are definitely red flags for me. Okay. But back to the dry patches, if, if it's not affecting the animal's health, you know, behavior, and it looks like it's just matte versus shiny, it's really nothing to be worried about. Right, right. Okay. Very good. Now, um, something I... Uh, don't normally ask all my guests, but um, due to your knowledge level, um, what are some of like the most common things that you'll run into as far as health issues with ball pythons? Respiratory infections. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of them over the years, not necessarily with my own animals because I've kind of dialed in my husbandry. Oh, sure. But, you know, respiratory infections, when you have your ball pythons too cold, Back to the comment I had about the reptile lamps, or the, I'm right. sorry, the heat lamps. Uh -huh. If that heat lamp is not hot enough or is, you know, not reaching the level where the animal is, it's not getting the temperature gradient it needs. You might think you are, but it's not. And so what's going to end up happening is the snake's going to get a cold, <laughs> you know. It's going to uh. start to get bubbles around the mouth, bubbles in the throat can start hissing, popping, right. gurgling. Right. Um, I've actually seen an animal pass away from this. Oh, my God. So, you know, if, if those of you out there listening have a tank with a screen top and a heat lamp on top, please look into getting an under-tank heater with a thermostat because that's much more beneficial for the health of your animal. Um, you know, 85 degrees Fahrenheit, is a good temperature to be at. 88 would be better. Oh, okay. Um, ambient temperature should be 72 to 75 okay. with the heat and a cold spot. But, you know, to avoid any problems with your animals, you really do need to go the extra distance to dial in your husbandry mm -hmm. with the tank, you know, which is a little bit more difficult because it's a little more open. Right. But to keep any problems from arising, that's definitely something I would suggest. Okay. Now, um, as far as the shows and things of that nature, um, when is your next show? When, when or can we expect to see uh, Heather's Herbs again at the shows? That is an excellent
excellent question because I haven't actually planned that. I know there's a Vegas show in May, and I know Which that I several of my. <laughs> I, I do realize that that's there. I don't intend on actually vending there, but I do intend on going. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, because at that point, breeding season for bull pythons is actually from November until about, well, June. Right. So I don't have anything to sell. Okay. I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> but I won't have anything to sell, so therefore I won't have a table. Okay. After that, I would think Anaheim would probably be my first show. Okay. So Which is in you. August or September? I'm trying to remember. Wanna, Something like that. Yeah, I want to <laughs> say August, but then when you said September, I'm like, is it September? I can't remember. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember either. I know it's usually my first show because by then I at least have a good 10 clutches hatched out by then. Oh, but wow. nice. we'll see what happens because this season seems to be a little um, slower than usual. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. The weather's been completely. You know, bonkers. <laughs> that is something I've heard from, because uh, I know a couple other ball python breeders, uh, and they kept saying the same thing. And, of course, one of them I have to, you know, he's the one that started me in this industry, so I have to always give him crap every time I see him. I'm like, dude, seriously, what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, it's not me, it's the weather. I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, there's, yeah, there are is. things that we can't control, and that's definitely one of them. <laughs> wow, so it really does make a big impact. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Barometric pressure, that's yeah, definitely exactly. one of them. Man. Now, you did mention that you have a blog. What is your blog? It is Heather's Herps blog at blogspot.com, or dot blogspot.com. There's okay. lots of dots going on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, that's Heather's Herps blog dot blogspot.com. Okay. Also, if you go to my website at heathersherps.com, there's actually a link right on the front page that'll take you there immediately. There we go. And I will also link to both of those websites in the show notes, so anyone that wants to purchase a quality <clears throat> ball python, uh, they can definitely get that through heathersherps.com or you know, ask any questions and what have you, because you definitely have uh, all the answers available. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try. I can't say that I know everything because, you know, there's always something new to learn, but I definitely oh, sure. enjoy sharing. Sure, sure. <laughs> now, what is, um, can you give us a sneak peek or tell us what you might be bringing to the next show as far as is there anything new in the morph category that you're looking at? Um, you know, I can't honestly say what I'll have because, like I said, it's breeding season now, and I right. don't like to count my eggs before they hatch. Right, right. And considering I don't even have them okay. on the ground, my eggs yet, okay. <laughs> I can't really... Fair enough. I, I can't, you know, say particularly, but I will definitely have a lot of the base morphs going on, you know, that usually is covered. Right. And I'm hoping to shoot for some triple coat on morphs, like, I'm really hoping to hatch out a Mojave spinners and stuff like that. Wow. Just playing around with a lot of different genes this year. Because yeah. now I can. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very cool. And, you know, all your snakes are really beautiful, but I, I must say that silver bullet, I that's just always going to be my favorite from now on. Well, <laughs> hey, she'll be here for you to enjoy. I will bring her to the next show for you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. I'd like to hang out with her for a minute. <laughs> There, maybe, sounds I can, good. maybe I can convince the wife, you know? Hey, there you go. <laughs> Honey, look, it's really beautiful. It's almost lavender. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Okay. And uh, once again, uh, heatherserps.com for all of our listeners. And then I will link to the uh, blog as well on that. And uh, Heather, it was great having you on. And uh, look forward to seeing you at the shows. And uh, wish you a many productive breeding, uh, most productive breeding uh, season this season. Well, thank you very much. And well, hey, if anybody stops by the shows, just let me know that you've heard me on the radio. And I'm always up for discussion on anything you guys want to talk about. So. Wow, there you go, guys. <laughs> you can talk directly to her at the show, and she'll talk exactly. to you. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay, so there you have it. That was Heather from heathersherps.com talking about the ball pythons and all of the uh, necessities that you need to go along with keeping such a wonderful animal. And like we said, you can check her out at the shows. Definitely uh, let her know that you heard her on uh, the Reptile Living Room. And once again, we are always brought to you by the wonderful Marsh McGinnis for all your captive care needs and captive geckos such as the Nefurus, the uh, Colionix, uh, Leopard Geckos, as well as the African Fat Tails. Check her out at GoldenGateGeckos.com. Once again, it's GoldenGateGeckos.com. And please, once again, leave some uh, rate us up on iTunes. Uh, give us some reviews. Let us know what you think. Drop some comments on the blog or uh, drop some comments directly on the show notes. And let us know that you enjoy what we're doing. Always helps to get good feedback. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>